This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Had a nice, relaxing farm stay over the long weekend. Oh, did you? Yeah. Milk some cows or something? Or? No, I, there was a steer there. Did they let you near the animals? They did, <laughs> they did let me near the animals, yeah. Well, I had children with me, so that's a, that's a ticket anywhere. The kids got to feed the goats and the chickens and stuff. But there was a steer that was taller than I am. Like, I'm about almost six foot, and this, this bull, well, I was corrected, I, I called it a bull because it had horns, it was a cow with horns, um, but turns out once it's been desexed, it's a steer, so there you go, little fun fact for you, but this thing was massive, weighed over a tonne, um, yeah, incredible. Anyway, big show coming up, um, had some nice re- reviews coming in too on the iTunes, which I thought I'd, I'd just give mention to one which I particularly enjoyed. Uh, from Elsie Cloppers, who said, You guys are hilarious. Every Wednesday is a good one because I start at laughing, but weirdly also learning. Thanks for the content, guys. So hopefully she's referring to the podcast and not some other Wednesday morning funny gym session she attends. But uh, thank you, Elsie. You can, of course, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Or you can always send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. Thomas, big show. We're going to be talking retail sales and CBD movements. You've got some updated data on that. We also found out that 39% of millennials consider crypto to be a viable alternative to property investing, which I find hard to believe. You reckon that Commonwealth Bank, CBA, might be overvalued, so I'm keen to find out why. But first, before we get to all that, Australia has kept its AAA credit rating, Thomas, after, I guess, getting down. Do they get, did we lose the AAA at one point? No, no, we got, we got put on negative watch. Well, there's a, there's a few different rating mm. agencies. So there's, there's, there's a handful now, I think like three or four, and they all have a crack at giving us a rating. And S&P sort of like this is the, one of the big mm. players, S&P. Uh, and we went to a negative outlook, so AAA with a negative outlook. So it's sort of like, so it's like not only are there a number of A's involved from A, AA, AAA, yeah. but you also then have the outlook also gets a rating. So we went to a negative right. outlook, which was like, you got your, you're saying you've got your AAA rating, but there are risks you got to watch That's out ridiculous. for. That's ridiculous. Like you've got A, AA, AAA. Like by that point, you might as well just go to quadruple A 
if it's positive outlook or yeah. stay on AAA if it's a negative outlook. What? Yeah, AAA, AAA. <laughs> is probably really what it should be. So what's the lowest rating you can have? Because that's all you ever hear about, and maybe it's because we we live in a lucky, wealthy country. But I've only ever heard of kind of A's in the rating system. Is there this is like is this like the popcorn size of the cinema where you can get jumbo, super maxi, or <laughs> <laughs> gigantuous, enormous, enormous popcorn, or like everyone wins a prize? Uh, I think, yeah. No, I mean, we often hear AAA and around that mark because we're talking about uh, sovereigns. We're talking about countries and that's what gets reported mm. in the news. And sovereign countries, because they can tax and print money and all that sort mm. of business, are typically pretty safe bets. And so they have a very high credit rating in the AAA. So that's why when you're talking about national news, you're going to hear, be hearing about AAA. But the crediting rating agencies give every organisation potentially looking to raise funds a rating or they can, get, they can get a rating. And so that can go down to junk. Right. So it's the same rating that a company could get is the same rating that a country gets. But by definition of it being sovereign, it gets, it's always going to be at that upper tier. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And and Australia doesn't have any kind of high-rate credit cards, doesn't have any kind of risky, <laughs> never needed to pawn anything at cashies. Yeah. You don't see Josh Frydenberg <laughs> down at, <laughs> that'd be funny though, seeing Josh Frydenberg down at cash converters <laughs> trying to hock an old bridge or something because he didn't have enough money to pay the power bills. <laughs> Come on. It's a, it's a good, good bridge. bridge. Look at it, it's got, it's got years of life left in it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So that, and that's the way credit rating agencies work. So they they they're there to act as an intermediary between borrowers and lenders, and to save lenders the hassle of going and investigating companies or countries to figure out how credit worthy they are. The rating agencies do all of that legwork, slap a rating on them, and then lenders can know kind of what their credit risk is, and that's the role that they play in the market. That's what credit rating agencies mm. do. And so what happens if we get a lower rating or say, so we were, had a negative outlook for a while, if that dropped to a double A, what does that mean? Typically it means your costs go up. So you, you're borrowing at a certain interest rate. If you're, if you're more riskier, then lenders want a higher rate of return to compensate for the risk. So the interest that you're paying goes up. So th- it, it does have tangible, like it is a significant story like if you get downgraded it means that you've got to pay more to service your debts it's funny the thing though isn't it like if if i was lending you some money and i was charging you 10 percent interest and then i deemed for whatever reason that you were more risky i wouldn't just lend you more money and then ask for more back because you're now in you by definition you're a riskier proposition of what's the risk that i'm not going to get my money back <laughs> Like if you went to like really risky that I'm just going to lose the money that I lend you, then charging a higher interest rate is not going to help me. No, but it's, that's, that's investing, right? It's all about risk and, and balancing risks and deploying capital with a view to, you know, taking on risks for return. If there's no risk, there's no return. I would lend you less money. I think that would be my solution. I would go, you can't borrow as much. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. But it's still the same rate, <laughs> same of, rate interest. of interest. You just can't have as much money because it's too risky. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. No, it's a good thing you're not in the Australian Treasury then, isn't it? I guess that's how loan sharks operate. They just charge exorbitant interest rates and then 
cap your knees or whatever if you can't pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just deal with like factor in the defaults as part of their business model and figure like across 10, 10 borrowers, one, two of them are going to default, but I get enough interest from the remaining eight that it's, I come out ahead to do that kind of, that kind of mass. Is there an international debt collector? Is there someone who's <laughs> chasing up countries for... <laughs> uh no 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 there's not i mean it's not yeah no there's big consequences if you default <laughs> on your sovereign debts it's a, it's a big story <laughs> Can't you get away with that they're calling you up for years afterwards you got to change your numbers and uh, right well so that's good news though that's yeah i mean it's good good news good news for us it means our, our borrowing costs aren't going up i mean there's a little bit of like little bit of snickering going on in some some sectors of the financial press so we're, we're back where we were pre-covid at triple a stable our financial situation of the commonwealth government so when we're talking about australia being triple a we're talking about the commonwealth government that's what we're really talking about it's not australia as a nation but that's the commonwealth government um the financial position of the commonwealth government has completely changed from where it was pre-COVID. So we're now looking, we were, you know, we almost had a budget, a balanced budget. We're now looking at a decade of deficits as, you know, as far as the eye can see, massive, massive deficits. One of the key metrics they look at is uh, debt to GDP, debt to GDP ratio, but that's gone from 20%. It's busting through 30% pretty quickly. 30% is one of the key benchmarks that they look at, busting through 30%, heading to 40%. So the outlook is completely different than where it was two years ago and yet we have exactly the same credit rating and so some people are going like well what's the point of having what are we even doing here like how can you just have a complete 180 in the financial position of the and then that has no bearing on the on the credit rating at all you know what stan i reckon we're going to need that quadruple a after all <laughs> <laughs> really painted ourselves into a corner here what if we create a new rating <laughs> gonna need some greek letters in here triple a sigma yeah right uh shout out to stan the quantit <laughs> smp does, does Big some fan very of the good show. work stan yeah, I mean, so there's two there's two sort of story things with like one is that interest rates are lower, so we can service a higher level of debt on the same income. So that's part of the story. So that means it's that's the reason why it can be a bit more comfortable with debt. But we're also moving into the MMT mm. era, which we talked about before, where we're just thinking economics and markets and everyone is just thinking about debt a lot differently and for a monetary sovereign nation like australia where we're, we have the ability to print money because we've got a floating exchange rate and we we issue debts in our own currency we're monetary sovereign so everyone's just a bit more relaxed about debt now it's not such a big drama and the credit rating i think reflects that it's a bit like yeah australia's doing great you guys no the survey that they did when they when they come up with the ratings but it's been like so you guys good? Yeah, you're good for the money? <laughs> we're like, yeah, we reckon. We're in pretty good shape over here. <laughs> All right, it's AAA for you guys. <laughs> Thanks, S&P. The other, the, other, the other very funny thing, I don't know if this applies to, for sovereigns, but um, one of the criticisms of the rating agencies is that they're paid by uh, the companies that need Brilliant. to do the borrowing. So if you want to go into the big money markets, you need to pay SMP or one of these guys to come and 
assess you and give you a credit rating. Um, and one of the criticisms when the, in the global financial crisis is that some of these banks were sort of shopping around the credit rating agencies till they got one that gave them the rating they wanted. Can you, does the government rate itself? Like, you know how like hotels will give themselves a four-star four star hotel rating and until the reviewers get in. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you opt out? You know, like if I do a fringe show, say, I could say I don't want any reviewers to come in because mm. sometimes it can work against you, to be honest. Yeah, right. I don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it works like that because like your hedge funds and your pension funds have to have a certain level of like it's in their charter that they need to have like certain amount of assets that are triple a quality certain amount you know no more than x percent that are like double a and lower and that sort of thing but then but it should be some independent authority or something shouldn't it, it should be some well that's what it's s and supposed to be it's supposed to be an independent agency doing this work right but it's not well i i yeah i'm i don't want to get into legal trouble <laughs> We've come this far, Tom. <laughs> yeah. No, I think no, I think enough. I think mostly mostly they are, but you know, like like any industry, there there are a few things criticisms that, that you hear from time to time. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right. So last week we talked about the reject shop and their eleven percent drop in the share price, and we spoke a bit about maybe that was because, or well, partly at least, because of lack of foot traffic, lack of people in general moving into the CBD. Uh, you got some new data on that this week? Uh, yeah, well, we got data on retail sales. So retail sales came in at 1.1% in April, now 20% higher than they were a year ago. That's 20%? A, yeah, but that's a COVID-affected number, like comparing April 2020. So a bit of that story. But I've got a great chart here that Callum Pickering has put together at Indeed. He's the chief economist there. And I'll share that to the Instagram account. Is that still... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's gone gangbusters. Um, people loving the charts that you're putting up on the Instagram page and also on, over on Facebook, uh, CVE Podcast. In fact, uh, Gary Martin tagged you as hashtag chart guru, oh. which uh, Thanks, I'm not sure Gary. I'm going to be calling you that straight away. But yeah. I'm going to change legally change my name. <laughs> Thomas <laughs> to, Chart To hashtag chart guru. <laughs> First name hashtag, name chart guru. Um, yeah, no, no, definitely. I think people are into it. It's good. Yeah. All right. So I'll, sh- I'll share this one. It's a, great, it's a great chart from Callum Pickering. But basically it shows that retail sales between 2010 and COVID were just on this sort of steady trend upwards, not moving around all that much. COVID hits, it starts wobbling all over the place, but has now settled quite a bit higher above trend. And... He, he sort of compares that the previous trend and is saying if the current level is where we would have expected to be in about three to four years. Right. So we're sort of about three to four years ahead of trend on retail sales. So we've had about, another way of thinking of that is we've had about four years worth of retail sales in the space of a year, in 12 months. Yeah, wow. That's mm. huge. Yeah, it's big. It's big. People are going back to the city now, then, or like? Well, retail sales. So that yeah. So retail sales is is everywhere and includes online. So this oh, okay. is so includes online uh, retail. So I think that's that's probably picking up a lot of that. Right. And yeah, it's CBD and everywhere. So yeah, but it, it puts that reject shop number in like the disappointing results from the reject shop into comparison because we should. That's why pe- people are expecting it to be big because the retail sales figures are big and. Mm. 
lot of a lot of retail outlets should be reporting some really strong results based on these numbers unless these numbers are wrong somehow which could happen sometimes with the statistics when you get a big shift to online like we've seen so the statistical measures can just don't adjust very well to that kind of they're just not meant to design to capture like that if people start of, buying a lot from overseas and grey importing or whatever is yeah, that yeah. Well, so, so, like it's it's very easy to know that someone went to Bunnings and bought something in Australia. It's maybe harder to know that someone ordered something through Alibaba and got it delivered. Yeah, that's right. I don't I don't know about the retail sales figures precisely, but I think it's probably most stuff that ABS does is a survey, so it's not a total count. It's not like they're they're clocking everything that goes through the tills in Australia. Mm. Um, I've still never done a survey. I really want to. Which is odd because I generally reject most surveys, but I feel like I'm missing out on these for some reason. <laughs> just just opt in next time you're presented with a pop-up box. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take part in our survey? Mm. Yeah, but it's, yeah, so good numbers. The yeah, retail sales still so still thumping along. Uh, but yeah, we got some, some interesting charts. So Roy Morgan also does, I'll share this one as well, but it's the uh, CBD movements. I don't know how they measure this one, but Roy Morgan has a has a measure mm. and it's now so with with melbourne's lockdown most recent lockdown cbd movements would to down to 19 percent of where they were pre-covid wow yeah that's to be expected i guess shout outs to everyone who's uh, endured that lockdown in melbourne yeah bravo well right. done well done mm. everyone but e- but even so but melbourne hasn't ever got above 50 percent since 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 COVID hit, so that that CBD mo- movement, I'll share this chart on the Instagram. But that, yeah, so there, that's moved around, but it's never got back above fifty percent. You know which city is doing the best in the country? No, Adelaide. Ah, nailed it. Go us. <laughs> yeah, killing it. And you know what? Adelaide hit ninety eight percent, a peak of ninety eight percent. What? Everyone was in this. I don't remember that. <laughs> I would remember that. No, you were part of the 2% who weren't there. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 98% of pre-COVID levels. Right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So they got, got so 98%, so pretty much back to normal mm. uh, And on April 12th. Hey, it's my birthday. It's your birthday, yeah. So, yeah. you know, so all 30 people in Adelaide went to CBD hey, for drinks for your birthday, come on. was it? <laughs> no, people got out to celebrate. They were... They were They'd stayed home, you know, with tough times through Christmas and New Year. It wasn't, wasn't happy times. Australia Day came and went, Easter. And then by the time my birthday rolled around, people had had enough, Thomas. They said, we're not missing another celebration. <laughs> so out they came. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal around here. <laughs> right. No, that's not surprising. No, Adelaide was, Adelaide was just voted by a bunch of economists. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Economist Intelligence Unit's Global Livability Index, mm-hmm. Adelaide was voted the third most livable city in the world out of about, I think it was out of 140 different cities. Wow. The number one city in Australia. So, you know, we're doing something right. Yeah. Um, so it's not surprising that we're, that we're getting good good movement. Yeah. Well, the pu- the puzzle there is you got up to like you got up to ninety eight percent on April twelfth, mm. but you're now back down to sixty five percent. You're still wow. the best. You're still the top country, the top city in the country. So it's Adelaide sixty five, Perth fifty nine, Brisbane fifty two, Hobart forty nine, thirty eight in Sydney. So your streaks ahead of the rest of them. Well, we're all very tired. We're all <laughs> <laughs> we're all up and about. <laughs> we're- 
April was a big month. <laughs> well, it typically does go that way in Adelaide. If you've never been, we have a, we have a pretty big couple of months starting around around February, March. Oh, um, right. We have the Fringe Festival. We have the, the Adelaide Festival. It all kicks off. We have the Adelaide Cup. It's all going on. And oh. then come around about that time, we all just, just duck off for a bit of a nana nap and have a lie down, <laughs> a cup of tea. Oh, that's what makes it livable, doesn't it? That's what <laughs> makes it livable. Um, no, it doesn't surprise. The other, the other good thing about Adelaide is that the city is only twenty minutes away from everybody because it's it's, it's a twenty-minute city. So, so it doesn't surprise me that we're frequenting the city the most because it's kind of the easiest one to get into and out of. So, mm. Mm. Um, mm. I remember being in a, I remember being in a taxi in Melbourne once. Actually, I was talking to the cab driver, and he goes, he goes, "Oh, where are you from?" I said, "I'm from Adelaide," and we started talking about trams, and he goes, "Have you got any trams in Adelaide?" I said, "Yeah, we got a, we got, we got one. It's it's quite historic. It runs from the CBD to Glenelg." And he's like, "What? You've got one tram? It's <laughs> not much of a city. Only one tram." I'm like, "When did the number of trams become the measure of a city?" <laughs> yeah, you're quite the Economist Economics Unit's not putting that in their livability nah. index. <laughs> How many trams? Oh, one. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. I don't think Sydney's got any trams, have they? Is no trams. No. Uh, so no. Not. I'm not looking to stoke any intercity rivalries here, but <laughs> uh, but yeah. Suffice to say, I didn't think that, that that was a fair assessment of our fair city here in Adelaide. The number of trams that we had. It's a it's a, it's a heck of a tram as well. <laughs> Even though it only goes one one direction. Um, but we've extended it recently too. If anyone's thinking about visiting, you might you might be in for a new tram ride. Uh, we're well and truly uh, diverted off 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 course. Um, tell you what, why don't we just why don't we just pause there and we'll grab a quick break and a word from our sponsor and we'll be back with more after this. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. And Thomas, there was a survey out last week which was conducted by global researcher YouGov. Uh, it found that up to 39% of millennials consider crypto to be a viable alternative to the property market because as, as has been well documented now, people are being locked out of property, can't get into the property market. And so now apparently they're turning to crypto, <laughs> which I'm not sure that's the next step in your investing journey, to be honest. If you were thinking about property and you're thinking, I might buy a small investment property, maybe a little unit somewhere in the suburbs, oh, priced out of the market, <laughs> right. Crypto it is. I feel like there's like some there's some kind of steps that you might have maybe haven't considered there, and certainly this is not financial advice. But our good friends at Equity Mates actually do a really good podcast called Get Started Investing, and I don't think that lesson number one is sign up for a CoinSpot account and <laughs> and get in get get your first trade. <laughs> um, oh, look, I'm I'm pretty 
one, I'm pretty skeptical about these kind of results. So this, this one came from Kraken, which is a crypto exchange. So it's, it's a, it has a strong vested interest in the industry. One of the themes that, that, that Bitcoin proponents have been looking to push and have been actively pushing. I did this for a little bit when I was ghostwriting for a crypto investment agency. <laughs> They're pushing this adoption idea that, that Bitcoin is on the brink of adoption. And when you get mainstream adoption, then you're going to get, um, at, you know, stratospheric price price gains so this so this right. is all about adoption so there's there's an I'm, I'm skeptical of survey measures that talk about adoption because there's a strong they've got a strong interest to push this adoption idea mm. you can get this through framing a survey by like the way you structure surveys can get the results you want so question one could be do you know that investment properties in australia are just stupidly expensive mm. yes two have you thought about investing in crypto more than an investment property? You know, so you prime, mm. you, someone's prime for that question, but so by the time they get like, oh yeah, good point. Yes, I do think, <laughs> do think I should save for a deposit by investing in crypto. Question four, how much do you love crypto? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I so I wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of that going on. Like some pantomime, what do you like more? <laughs> Clowns or real estate agents? Boo! <laughs> oh, clowns! <laughs> so yeah, so I think I think that's probably going on. I think I mean I think in terms of like the adoption figures they're talking about, like sort of twenty twenty five percent of the population has crypto holdings. That seems to be backed up by a number of surveys. So that seems like it's kind of reasonable. Mm. Um, but that that sort of comparison of like I, 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 how many people are going like um, yeah they're saying like I'm oh, thinking about getting into property but yeah I'm going to go for crypto instead I don't know if people are making that doing that calculation exactly and uh, but I think it, and I think it is it's a reasonable point which they've probably designed to because they want that headline mm. is it's like because property prices are a great way to get into a newspaper to start talking about the property market tie it to crypto bang you got you got a headline there for sure we yep. came up on our feed so well played Kraken yeah. <laughs> nailed that one um right. and and it's just a general the point is just generally true house prices are prohibitively expensive if you're early, early career investor you don't have a lot of capital to work with you need you know big big deposit these days mm. you, you know need a decent income to service that um, it makes sense, I think, that particularly, you know, on the tail end of a strong bull market that people are thinking about crypto rather than thinking about investment properties. Well, is, it just that, is it just more that people are thinking about investing? So that what you're saying? Like people are just, they maybe have some, some cash or some, you know, they've been saving for a house deposit only to find out that, oh, you know what, I can't actually get into the market. So I've got some, some money. You don't want to keep it in cash. So how can I, how can I make you know, how can I not lose money through inflation or how can I, you know, what can I do with that money so that it's working for me essentially rather than just um, sitting in the bank kind of eroding away. So, mm. yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. I mean, we did, we, did, we did see this out of COVID. There was like a huge surge in people getting interested in the markets mm. and opening up trading accounts and putting money into different asset classes. Like we did see that, like there was a really big surge and at the time it was really counterintuitive the markets have just crashed uncertainty's gone through the mm. roof and people have uh, people have loaded up and gone all in and i think i think it is interesting like i think it's 
that kind of insecurity creates this environment where everyone's a bit like, oh, I don't, I don't know my what my financial future isn't secure. Markets are doing crazy stuff. I need to get on top of this somehow. I need to invest. I need to get, you know, land this and get get sorted. Mm. And and uncertainty amplifies that need to get sorted. Yeah, true. And I think and I think crypto has sort of played into that because a lot of people have got sorted through crypto. A lot of crypto investors have, you know. Gone from well, there's some very good stories around now. You know, like if you if you believe the hype, and and it's not just hype, I guess. People are saying, well, no, I've made some really good money out of crypto. But I'm sure it's the, it's the disclaimer on every investment ever is that um, past performance does mm. not, you know, is not an indicator of, of future performance. And so you never know. You know, it's like any investment; you should only I don't mm. know, only put in what you you might be prepared to lose. But uh, you know, as you say, don't take financial advice from a podcast. But I will say it again: Equity Mates Get Started Investing podcast is really good. If you are looking for information, if you're interested in, in getting started investing, you're not sure kind of how to get into it. Um, you know what to look out for, what how to, how to do it. I guess uh, how to you know make it easy on yourself then that's a really good one to listen to if you're not, not listening to it already. Mm. Donald Trump came out there. He came out and called crypto a scam. We've got some audio here. That's a first for CVE. we got some audio here of Donald Trump. Okay. Uh, Bitcoin, it I just seems like a scam. Uh, I was surprised. You know, with us, it was at 6,000 and uh, much lower. Uh, I don't like it because it's another currency competing against the dollar. Essentially, it's a currency competing against the dollar. I want the dollar to be the currency of the world. That's what I've always said. Yeah, there you go. So (laughs) Trump, he says it's a scam. He believes in the strong dollar. Um, He's not not into the share market because he's saying it's high. Wants the dollar to be the currency of the world. I didn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting in... So, the, America has had a strong dollar policy for since Bretton Woods, since the end of World War II, where it's the, the effectively the default currency of the world. That that There's a lot of benefits that come with that. Partly, it's just sort of just generically, vaguely populist, like we've got the best currency in the world, which Trump sort of talks to a lot of his base, wouldn't really understand it, but they just want the US dollar to be the best currency in the world without really yeah. understanding why. But having a strong dollar, having the US dollar be the default currency of the world has a, has a number of benefits for the American economy. And so it's interesting the way he's framing Bitcoin as a threat to the US dollar, which you know a lot of Bitcoin proponents would, would say that it is. It's an it's a existential threat to fiat currency. Mm. But so it's interesting that the Trump base may be the vanguard of the pushback against uh, crypto and, and uh, the push to sort of regulate it, potentially if, if Trump gets his way out of existence. So it's interesting, mm. Interesting. so far we haven't seen a lot of political posturing too strongly one way or other around crypto. So it's interesting that Trump, even though he's out on the outers, he's, he still has a hold of the Republican base, that, that's that portion of it, and he's saying bitcoin's an enemy so that that's a i feel like that's a really interesting pivotal moment in in the whole bitcoin story Mm. i I must admit as someone who's not paying a lot of attention i haven't heard from trump in a while so that was that was nice to hear his voice again i think i think he's (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think i think he's been muted a lot yeah, of the I think so. social yeah, media I, I agencies just muted him. Social media has been shut down everywhere. So, was that what was that from? That was from Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, never gonna, never gonna get kicked off Fox. Um, 
All right, cool. Well, finally, um, you reckon CBA, Commonwealth Bank, might be overvalued or potentially the other banks are undervalued? Yeah, this is something that uh, the guys at Macro Business put out the other day, which I thought was really interesting. They did great work. Check them out if you're into that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, looking at just compared the earnings ratio, price to forward earnings ratio of the big four. Mm. Um, And typically they they move pretty close together, move in a tight pack, the big four. But recently, since the last year, we're now looking at CBA's got a 4P of 21 which is, you know, pretty bullish and the rest are 15 or lower. So there's quite a big gap between their PEs at the moment. Right. Um, yeah, so it's an interesting question about why that is. Like, they're, they're op- like the big four operate in the exact same environment. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're banks in the Australian economy. So the macro factors are all the same. Mm. Maybe there's some firm level differences. Maybe the CBA has, you know, has a better business model, has some exciting products in the offing i don't i don't know what they are but it's it's a big difference and yeah it, it's not obvious what what mm. what that what that difference is so there's a question there we have seen seen a gap open up uh in the past i've got another chart here i'll share it on um on the instagram page uh we have seen that a gap open up so cba tends to run ahead of of the others um typically mm. uh but when it has deviated when it has lurched ahead it's been cba that has corrected back to the pack um, right we've that's seen that in the last yeah the last 10 years or so that's tended to be what's happened just eyeballing this chart this isn't you know strong quant analysis or anything but <laughs> it's too late i've already shorted cba <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i think that's a smart move <laughs> it feels like two. One of two things has to happen. One is that either C, it's either that CBA's uh, share price falls to bring it back in line with the rest of the pack, with the other three of the big four, or the other three get a lift and catch up with CBA. So depending on which of those theses you believed in, you know, either short the CBA if you you know have the mechanisms to do that. That's not available to everyone. <laughs> That's um, not part of the Get Started <laughs> Investing series, I don't think. No, no, no. <laughs> Episode three, how to short sell one of the biggest <laughs> biggest companies in Australia. Yeah, or you could go along the other three and and maybe, they, maybe there's a bit of catch up there you can take advantage of. But I don't know. It's just, it, just, it just crossed my crossed my feed. I just thought it was interesting. So just, just sharing that one and um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and uh, let you know how it plays out. All right, look, Thomas, we had uh, a couple of listener questions that I did want to get to, but I think we've gone well and truly over time this week. So what we might do is just shelve those until next week. Uh, you can, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or at the website equitymates.com forward slash cve. So apologies if you're looking forward to the questions this week. I promise we will get to them next week uh, and we'll be uh, back bigger and better than ever next time on Comedian versus Economist. We'll see you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. 
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.